This week, Music Biz Weekly podcast, and uh, one of our favorite guests is back. Bruce from Hypebot and Bands in Town is back. And it's just kind of a, 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 a potpourri of music-related topics. We talk NFTs. We talk about Spotify's new pre-saves. We talk about spin farms. We talk about some of the great new features that Bands in Town's been rolling out. Bruce has got great insight into everything that's happening right now in the music industry. You're going to want to listen. Welcome to the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, founded in 2011 and with over 500 weekly episodes, where Michael Brandvold and Jay Gilbert, two longtime music industry pros, discuss the very latest trends, tools, and tactics that you need to succeed in this new music business. Every month. Thousands of musicians and industry professionals listen to the Music Biz Weekly podcast. If you have a product or service and would like to reach this audience, get in touch with Michael or Jay to discuss sponsorship opportunities. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly podcast. You got Mike, you got Jay, and we got Bruce coming in a few minutes to join us from Hypebot and Bands in Town, which is always a fascinating conversation with Bruce. Um, but before we get into the conversation, again, just quick shout out. Thank you, Bruce. Hypebot Bands in Town. Thank you for everything you do to continue to support us. Thank you to the new Bands in Town artist community. You'll find all of us there, the podcast, Jay, myself. Head over to bandsintown.musicbizweeklypodcast.com. Join our community over there. It's 100% free to join. You can leave your questions, your comments. Anything you want to talk about, we're there. It's a great resource. Um, but before we get into the interview, huge shout out. Thank you to discmakers.com. We know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's musicians. Digital royalty payments can be so small that selling products like CD, vinyl, T-shirts, online and at gigs has become such an important income generator. Every CD you sell at a gig, you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. And that's a lot of streams. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. we got a great offer for all of our listeners. Head over to discmakers.com, place an order for 100 or more CDs. And when you check out, use the promo code FREEBIZ, all one word, FREEBIZ, and you'll save up to $150 in shipping costs. Jay? can we say about this interview we we always have great conversations with bruce i'm so excited that he's joining us today and we need to have on more often yeah great insight we talk about some of the new features at bands in town we talk about spotify's new effort in pre-saves we talk about spin farms people buying their streams and their spins we even wrap up with uh, bruce's take on where the nft world is going so Let it roll, and we'll see you at the end. Visit musicbizweeklypodcast.com. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow and rate us on Spotify. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate your support. Today, we're joined by Bruce Houghton, editor, publisher of HypeBot, Music Think Tank, senior advisor to Bands in Town, president of the booking agency Skyline Entertainment, a colleague and a dear friend of ours. Bruce, thanks so much for uh, hopping on the podcast with us, man. It's been too long. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's yeah, it's been God a year. I don't know, but a long time. I, you know, I, I think we owe you like a green jacket. This is like your <laughs> third, fourth, fifth time back. Don't I get one of those plaques that you guys have behind you on the wall? 
Yes. Yeah, there you, there you go. See, I have to have my background fuzzy because I have none of those. So <laughs> well, we got to fix that. Um, so, so Bruce, you know, before we just start riffing here, I, I would love for you to kind of just give us the, the update, the bands in town world update. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's no, no surprise to anybody who listens, you know, Jay and I, love bands in town we use it all the time we try and push our artists into it everybody should be but damn bands in town's been innovating like crazy it seems like this year um yeah, they, update they, us they, what's going on yeah they came out of the pandemic because i'm there and have years now um with a real commitment to help artists you know get back to touring etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh so you First of all, we saw this instant surge in fan interest. Literally, in like le- well under six months, it went from 60 million to 66 million registered users. Right, completely organic, not a penny spent. I don't think the company's ever spent a penny on trying to get people to use the platform. And then we added 500, uh, added uh, about 10,000 artists. That one's always a little bit trickier because did the band break up? It's it's a, it's a little tougher number to, to sure. get our heads around, but we saw growth there as well. And pretty quickly, the numbers came back in terms of not necessarily the number of dates that were posted, but the fan interest is just off the charts. So that was a motivator to say, how can we, as always, help artists, et cetera. So two big things that have happened, so I don't turn this into the Bands of Town commercial. One is there's a partnership with Shazam that happened a few weeks ago. And, you know, Shazam has like over a billion, um, I think it's 250, 260 million users, monthly average users doing a billion song searches a month. So now Crazy. if you post your stuff, your day, tour dates on Bands of Town, when you search for an artist in the Shazam app, hey, who, what's that song? It will all automatically come up and show you the local tour date and you can click through to find out more, et cetera, et cetera. So that's really a big thing. And there's a nice, you know, uptick in traffic from, from that. It's just another way to help, help artists be discovered, if you will, find new fans. And then the other is this fan management suite, which I know both of you, Michael, you in particular, have been playing around with, which essentially is a, a, an upgrade of the tools, the basic tools that we give to artists to help uh, gather followers, if you will. So it's always been that, you know, the widget that you can put on your tour dates, so you upload your dates once and they're on your website and they're spread to Google and Bing and Shazam and all kinds of different places. It was all, that was always there, it was always free. And they've improved that now to be a lot better looking, a uh, lot more customization. And you now can collect email addresses and there's actually an option to collect phone numbers as well. And those email addresses, so, so these people are saying, yeah, I wanna follow you on Panzaton. I wanna know when the next tour date is. And you can message them like you always could on Bands of Town for free. But now you've also got their email address. And it's in beta. Michael, you've been testing it. It's, you know, it's got another month or two. I'd say a month before it goes public with it because there are things we need to add. Uh, but it, you will be able to use Bands in Town and all those email addresses you collected and any email addresses you have somewhere else and be able to send free emails, if you will, from Bands in Town. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and those email addresses that you collect, those phone numbers, they're yours. So if for some reason you want to take them off the platform and use them on MailChimp or wherever you want to use them, you can do that too. So it, basically this is just, and along with all of that comes improved analytics, smart links, all kinds of different things that they've made available. But the, 
basic commitment is, hey, what can we do to help artists build an audience, communicate with that audience and not get in the way like Facebook does with an algorithm or somebody that wants you to pay every time you send an email. That's the whole goal. And, you know, they're well on their way to achieving it. It's 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 really impressive. It's fun to watch. Very it, cool. it, 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 it is. I mean, it it's it's groundbreaking in that you're doing it. But what you're doing isn't new to the world. Right. You're you're simply. You know, we, we, as I say, marketers, we've always encouraged our artists, drive your fans to track you, track you, track you, track you. Mm-hmm. So you can send a message to your trackers. Well, now you've just taken it to that next step and said, we got their email addresses. You, the artist, own those email addresses. So unlike Huge. Facebook or any other social network where you don't have ownership of any of that data, you can't export the people who like your page, follow you on Instagram, follow you on TikTok, mm-hmm. you can export all that fan data out of bands in town. Now, part of you know point is why. I mean, you're building a whole email ecosystem that, again, for so many artists, email is the, I don't know why, it's the last thing they worry about. Which is crazy. It's crazy. You know, they're like, I don't want to spend 10 bucks a month to even use the cheapest email server. So we'll set it up on MailChimp because I've only got 500 subscribers. Okay. That's great until you get to 2000 and then it's, you got to pay, then, then you're going to pay. And then when they have to start paying, they're like, well, now I'm not going to use it. If I got to pay, there's no cost. There's literally no cost you could create. And I, and you know, as you said, I've been playing around in the beta an email template system you just go in there and it's like drag drop yep. well, and there's like so super everything simple. else yeah everything Every, you've ever used yeah. anywhere else yeah. and you build an email and you send it out and you know if you've got an email list somewhere else you can import that email list into bands in town so right. um it it it's just to me one of those things where it's just like okay it just it's simple it makes sense it's the obvious duh let's do this yeah yeah, one yeah, of the I things mean, about oh, go ahead, go, go ahead, Bruce. Go ahead, Jay. Go. I was just going to say one of the things that I think is so valuable uh, about uh, bands in town is is I love that I can reach my trackers, but more importantly, I love that I can reach light competitive audiences, and I think that it's it's just so important. And, and Michael was talking about the importance of email. It's not sexy, but it works, and you own your fans regardless of whether how you're using that email it still works. I think right. it's, it's really important. Right. And, I, you know, it's interesting, you know, that whole idea of, of reaching um, like-minded fans, you know, you can, you can pay to do that on Fans of Town. In fact, you know, Ticketmaster and Live Nation and all the big promoters and small promoters and venues, I mean, a lot, thousands of them every year use it to do that. But what I always forget to remind people, and now I'm not going to for once, is that, um, you know, just by listing your dates on Bands in Town and then by having it be active. So in other words, so we can learn about your fans and what they like, et cetera, because, you know, we're in the background going, hey, who, who, who are the similar artists? Um, that you become part of Bands in Town's recommendation engine, too. So I don't know if you, li- you know, like I live in Roanoke, Virginia. I look on my homepage on Bands of Town and in my app. And then if I sign up for an email, there's different ways that you get it. I'm being told the shows that are coming to town that I would like to go see. 
that doesn't cost anything, that artist anything, doesn't cost that venue anything to be in those recommendations. And in fact, Bansontown is very carefully reconfigured, this was several years ago, their algorithm so that a large percentage of those are not the biggest artists, right? So yes, it's something that's trending a little bit probably, but it could be trending because it had 12 clicks, not because it had 2000 is playing the Um So it's really just a, it's it's really a wonderful thing. And, you know, it's it's all because the people that, that run bands in town have this commitment to artists. And, you know, just from an enlightened self-interest point of view, they know that if the artist posts their tour dates, they've got the best, um, you know, database of tour dates in the world, which they have. And, and that's, so yeah, I mean, we all love music discovery, love uh, helping artists, et cetera, but there's also a business reason as well. And that is to have the best um, um, list of tour dates for fans and for artists. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I would just say you, again, you need to go check it out. If you haven't really been looking and paying attention, go check out isn't it? It's on your left nav bar. It's called fans. Yeah. If you have a thousand or more followers on bands in town, you can get into this free beta and be testing this email program. Now within six weeks, I, I bet at most everybody will be able to use it. So. And, and, and what I, what I would remind people is because I, I was confused by this one and the, the new fan platform rolled out. You might have the, the bands in town embed code on your website you actually have to upgrade and install new code for all these features to become accessible. Yeah, you actually, believe it or not, they've upgraded the old widget so it can collect email addresses. Oh, if that's awesome. Want, yeah, so that actually happens automatically. You uh, double check it, but, but that happened about a week ago. Um, oh. To do a lot of the other things and get all the analytics and have it look so pretty and, and do phone numbers, yes, you have to do that. But the basic collection of email addresses, that's actually now in all the old widgets as well. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, it's its just, again, it's so worth it. I mean, it doesn't cost you anything to do this. So yeah. why, why wouldn't you want to start gathering email addresses of fans who are interested in you touring? I, I, I just don't understand why there's an artist that would not want to do that. Right. I agree. <laughs> so what, what, what else is happening in the world this week, guys? Spotify wow. pre-saves. Yeah. Testing. I, I saw that on Hypebot. Um, that's uh, and Bruce, what do you think about this? Because to me, I mean, their pre-saves pre-ads have been going on for a long time, but I mean, how not- long has Apple music had it like three years or something? I mean, it's or two years. It's been a long time. So what do you think about that? I mean, we look, we, Mike and I talk about Spotify every week on just how they're out innovating everybody else with a lot of the things that they're doing. You know, this week they announced the, you know, the Spotify Island, you know, and some of these crazy things, but even the basic things like having control over that artist page where you can put in the bio and 140 photos and social links, and you can change out the banner and the artist pick and so on and so on. I am just shocked and surprised that the other DSPs don't allow you to go in and customize and almost make a mini website out of your artist page. But uh, what, do, what do you think about this Spotify announcement? Well, I mean, I, you know, to, to your general point, I've, I've done now a lot of writing and consulting, et cetera, with, with companies. And I often see, why are you not doing this? It's so freaking obvious that you need to do this. And, and I find 
there are usually one of two reasons, and this would be true for Spotify. I mean, who knows exactly for Spotify and pre-saves or why other people aren't doing it. One is that there's either a back, there's a backend reason. So you and I think it should be easy, but somehow the reason that te their technology is built thing. in a certain way that it's harder than you think. Okay. Got so it. that's one. The other is that there's a business reason. And that is, and, and this is, this actually, I'm worried that this might be what Spotify is up to. And that is that they can, could make this part of the uh, set of tools that they charge for. Um, you know, just like some several of the other things. Now, I agree with you. I think Spotify for artists is unequivocally the best platform. It's sort of the gold standard. Amazon Music is actually in its own way, not quite as good, but really very innovative. It, 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 it is up, moving quickly. Yeah, coming up fast. Yep. Yep. Um, and Pandora has always been pretty strong, but oh my isn't really in, in, innovating again as quickly. But their basic set of tools is amazing. Why doesn't Apple Music do it? Probably because they don't think they have to. And I think that that's a huge mistake on their part. Yeah. And, it, and to your point, technically, the resources that it would require to build that out, you know, may not be worth it. You mentioned Pandora. Um, just yesterday, I created a Pandora Stories. And it's right. so easy to just go in there, attach the audio kind of a track by track. And to me, that's compelling to hear an artist talk about why this record matters and mm -hmm. why each song is the way it is. I love track by track. I would love to see that functionality on other platforms, but yeah, Pandora is quietly in the background. There's there's some pretty cool things going on at Pandora too. But you know what? And it, it, with, with everything that Spotify is doing with Green Room and podcasting and integrating their playlist or, or the ability to pull music off of Spotify into um, into the podcast, et cetera, you could almost do it now. And I, if you can't do it now, track by track as a podcast, if you will. Yeah. Um, then uh, you will be able to in a few months. I almost guarantee it. You yeah. know, you made you 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 brought up you made an interesting comment about you know why isn't Apple doing this? Well, because they probably think they don't need to. You know, and for the longest time, yeah, Apple was the eight hundred pound gorilla in podcasting and music, and nobody was even close to them. Well, this year. Spotify has passed Apple when it comes to podcasts. And I, mm -hmm. I can I can attest to that as a podcaster. Mm -hmm. I get more plays on Spotify than I do on Apple iTunes sure. for the first time. Now, I will say still beating all of them is YouTube. YouTube gets right. more listens than either of those other two. But Spotify is a solid number two moving up. And, and you would wonder... You know, for the longest time, why didn't Spot? Uh, why didn't Apple innovate in podcasts? Because they didn't need to. Well, now they got they're 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 left in the dust, basically, so to speak. Wouldn't they learn from that and go? You know what? Maybe we need to stop having this attitude of it's not going to buy. It's not going to impact. Yeah, and, us. and it's a, it's impossible. I know. First of all, those are very different teams at Apple: the podcasting team and the music sure. team. Um, but but also always remember that Apple is a big company that does a lot of stuff. And uh, Spotify is a company that is in audio. Yeah, right. So, um, I, you know, it's a core who business. knows? I don't yeah. know. They're all, look, they're all great companies. Spotify put, I mean, sorry, Apple Music put a great deal of their energy into live broadcasts, into, you know, the, the live stations, you know, that they were doing, et cetera. So everybody chooses to do it in a different yeah. way. Uh, Spotify and they're doing some things, right? Right. At least from our 
our perspective. Yeah, you look at Apple and, and I love that they have, for example, these animated album covers and animated banners. Right. I right. thought that was pretty innovative uh, for them. It's interesting stuff, but, but it, look, it's great for artists. My big fear is that Spotify does not roll out pre-saves to everybody quickly, because if not, it's just another unfair advantage for lack of a better way to put it, that artists on major labels have. Uh, and I hope they don't charge for it. You know, I have no reason to believe they will, but they might, you know, they're, they're building out their quote unquote two, two way marketplace. Um, but um, either way, I just hope they make it available to everybody. Yeah. You know, pre-saves have always traditionally been a third party service, obviously, right. whether it's a link fire or, you know, before they bought them smart URL, all these other companies that would offer that. Do you, you know, just guessing, do you think, Spotify dipping their toes into the pre-save is just the, a precursor to them building their entire version of a link fire system where it's sort of like you're going to build your own music landing page right here for everything. You could do that. Um, I don't think so. I don't think Spotify has proven um, a desire to have, bring people onto Spotify and then let them go off of Spotify. You know, uh, yes, of course, you have your social links there, et cetera, yeah, but it's but not, the bottom it's the never page. been, it's never been what they're all about. Whereas, right. I mean, one of the beauties of somebody like, um, you know, Linktree, Linkfire, whatever, they're agnostic. So they don't care what music service you're promoting. They let you promote whatever service it is. So I can't see... I can't quite, and, and if you're an artist, you don't just want to promote Spotify in your, in your, your link tree, for example. Right. Sure. Uh, so now I, it, it's possible. I, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, Spotify has not, the one thing they have not done is um, integrate well with other social platforms or with social platforms or turn themselves into a social platform. So yeah. I, I don't see it personally. You but. know, you're talking about pre-saves and pre-ads and pre-orders and things. Um, I had a friend of mine who did some research. I think you'll find a little bit interesting. They were looking at like what really drives uh, for his artists, what really drives those pre-saves. And so they did, they did some tests and one of them involved giving away a guitar, you know, pre-save this thing. You can enter to win this really cool guitar. And what they found out was that it, it worked against them because they got a lot more people pre-saving, but a lot of those people didn't want to listen to the music. They just wanted to win the guitar and right. it ended up hurting them. And I thought that was really interesting. So when you're doing a pre-save campaign, you know, you want to make sure that whoever's pre-saving it, they're going to listen to it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So what else have we got? Jay, you, you, you kind of just before we hit the record button, sent around a video to um, Bruce <laughs> and myself. Uh, yeah. and, and it's, you know, it's, it's an eye opening video stuff we've seen before, but it's, it's a, it's a bot farm. Yeah. Um, this one yeah. surprisingly based in New York city. Right. That was delivering streams. Well, I had a friend of mine send me one from China. And it showed these photos and videos of this spin farm. And for those that don't know, it's just basically, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of iPhones and devices that are set up to a main computer to spin a song, play a song over and over and over and over again to jack up the, the stream count. And we've heard, you know, stories about this. Rolling Stone had a really good piece a while back. There's a piece in Billboard called Just How Pervasive is Streaming Fraud, which will be kind of my lead story tomorrow in your morning coffee, just to spark that conversation again but the dsps are certainly aware of it um i talked to them about it 
but it's it's such a rampant problem. And here's the part that I don't understand is like you're I get why they're doing it, because that front facing number on Spotify, you know, you could not be uh, admitted for a, a festival. I've had bands that say that they thought they were turned down for a festival because their social footprint was too low and their streaming numbers. And really, you can only see the, the Spotify number up front was too low. So that incentivizes them to buy likes, buy follows, and to use these bots and spin farms to jack up those numbers. But the problem with that, as you guys know, that's not going to put butts in the seats. That's not going to sell merch. And that's those aren't real. So when you go and tour, you may have these numbers, but you don't have the fans to back it up. And the last thing I'll say on it is anybody who works in the industry knows how to tell when someone's been bought it or when they're, you know, they're using these things. And if we can tell, you got to believe the DSPs like Spotify can tell. Yeah, I mean, I, I th- two things come to mind. One is, um, you know, what what these stories are all telling us is that it's not, you know, we used to think of it as the little artist doing it and boy, you better not do it because it's really obvious when you go from a thousand streams a month to a hundred thousand streams a month with, you know, on your, your new release. But what this is telling us that it's bigger artists doing it and major labels or not necessarily the major labels themselves, but people associated with larger artists doing it. And, and what I can imagine it working per- wonderfully well for them is they've got a new release. How strong is it out of the box? In that first week, does it get a million streams or three million streams? Yes. That's the kind of number that turns people's eye, you know, heads. And if it's a fairly successful artist, it's not, I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, what, what, what's real and what's not real. And then you've got the momentum. If, it, you know, it's, think about, <laughs> we're all old enough to remember, what was it, shipping platinum and, uh, and yeah. you know, returning gold or something. But, you yeah. know, you would, you'd put as many records out into the stores as you could because the number before SoundScan was, wow, they shipped a million copies, even though you got 900,000 of them in returns. This is kind of the same thing. It's come out of the box strong. Uh, and and look good. And, you know, the other part of it is if I, I was thinking about this when I was watching the video, you know, we always the, the trigger, the simple trigger was so many um, streams coming from a, a, a specific IP address, if you will. But with, you know, uh, virtual private networks and some of these are a lot of them are on cell phones. If some of them were using cell data instead of, you know, uh, Wi-Fi or, you know, Internet, Internet right. service. They could they could get around the ISP, and if they're based in New York or Beijing or Mexico City or whatever, there's a whole lot of people that live there. So I, I you know, it's I, it's sad, um, but but are, are any of us surprised? I'm not surprised. No, I mean Jay and I've always said people will figure out how to game the system. As if 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 there's a crack in the system, they'll game it until that crack is closed, and then they'll find the next one. It's as old so, as the music industry. So so basically, what 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 we're seen now is the evolution of payola i mean this is nothing more than payola where record labels used to to pay a record a a radio station for fake spins fake reports i see this as worse mike because you know we all know payola is illegal because these are public airwaves playola is sketchy but it's not illegal yet and i see it as two different things the playola like when you pay uh, a curator like I need, I'm going to pay you this money and you add this to your playlist. I think that's one thing, but just to jack up the streams without, I mean, bypassing that, 
Uh, they're both bad, but they're well, a little uh, that, bit different. That, that, that's what I mean. It's it's the evolution. It's how payola yeah. has evolved in yeah. the era of streaming and technology, which, you know, and we've talked about this for years, Jay, you know, at what point does the, 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 the law that outlaws payola get looked at and rewritten to evolve to how it's being done today. And, what you know what's the incentive for the the streaming services to to put a halt to this is there is there an incentive is there a well, benefit for them is there a benefit for them to have all these fake numbers coming in because you know it's it's the old you know wall street wants to wants you to report your your user base and if they can show the user base went up wall street's happy but financially, yeah, they're sure paying is, out on it, though, right? Yeah, that's that's true. That's where I was going to go. I, I, yeah, they you know remember that they have to pay as if it was a real play, if you will, the writer and the label, et cetera. Now, as we all know, that's not as much as we'd like it to be, and it's probably a drop in the bucket. Uh, what I suspect is that you know, as much as they'd like to stop it, what are they going to do? Send in you know a, the FBI on a raid and find out. And, and I'm, you know, I have no basis on saying this name, but that Universal Music was paying to have that bot far. I mean, you know, they don't want to find that out. Nobody, you know, it's, they're all being, right. everybody's going to be ignorant as yeah. long yeah. as they can be because it's convenient to be so. And that, yeah. and that's, that's the nature of business, sadly. Uh, I have a cynical I, view of that, Bruce. Yeah. You know, I think that what they can do is, well, what they did last year is they pulled down thousands, tens of thousands of tracks that were that were suspected of using bots and spin farms. That's number one. But the other thing that they could do is let's say they identify a million streams that came across that they, they don't think are legit. It's in their terms of service. They can say, I'm not paying out. Then, then they get the numbers, you know, that shows that they've got market share and they've got these big things, but they're not financially. But, but I, I guess the question comes back to, you know, Bruce, what you brought up is what surprises a lot of people now is we're finding it's major artists and major labels doing this. If, if a DSP, and I won't name any specific, if a DSP goes back to a major label and says, uh, we're pulling all these down and we're pulling these albums off. And the, the label's going to go, okay, well, then we're never going to put any of our other artists up on your service. You yeah, know, that's, yeah, the, that, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the, the buddy. Who's, who's got, you know, the old Seinfeld episode, who's got hand in this relationship? Right. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's right. No, I, I don't, you know, the day that Spotify says Lizzo only had a million streams instead of three million streams in the first week of their release, there'll be a revolt and, and riots in the streets. So I don't, I just don't see it. I, I wish yeah. I did. You know, when, when Jay talks about thousands of artists being pulled down and millions of tracks, I don't think one of them were, you know, a, a, an artist with a truly significant following or on a major record label. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't see anything changing until it's those major offenders yeah. that they can do something because you're, you're right. I mean, if they're going to pull down an artist who's got, you know, 50 plays this month. Yeah. Uh, does anybody notice that they're gone? No. no, Bruce, you're right. You know, I'd read an article. It might've even been on Hypebot that there was a big issue when that happened um, that a lot of it went through DistroKid, you know, right. and, and I've heard numbers as high as 40% of what's being uploaded every day is going through DistroKid. So that DIY, there's a lower barrier to entry and there's a lot more people who are just desperate to get in the game 
not to pick on DistroKid, but you know what I mean. The, yeah, to yeah. your point, it's not Lizzo. Yeah, and and I look, I it's <laughs> to me this is just one of those things. You know, it's not fair, it's not right, and uh, you know, as I always say to everybody, like you know, Spotify payments are not fair and not right. Okay, you're right, but what are you going to do about it? So focus on your you know backyard, grow your garden, and make things happen. That's yeah. that's what you guys do every day. That's what I write about. Yeah. It's what bands. It's what we all are encouraging and teaching artists yeah. to do, and it's what we have to do. Yeah, a playlist is not a marketing plan. Yeah, it's so funny. And I actually thought of that, which you guys have talked about so many times when I was writing the Spotify um, uh, piece, yeah. and I yeah. <laughs> and so I couldn't find the original time you used it because i was trying to pull out i was literally going to post the video of you two guys saying that oh that's great uh, because i thought okay well great you know by well, the way know, bruce i sell those like mugs and t-shirts as a joke yeah, yeah. Know, through my through my newsletter and around the holidays uh, an executive at one of the biggest record companies on the planet bought like 160 mugs oh that's fabulous <laughs> that's great you know bruce be before we wrap up here you know i and and this could turn into a whole deep discussion which i don't want it to but what what's your what's your quick five minute take on where nfts are and where they're going right now i mean we're we're, we're seeing it obviously it's the hottest topic out there, not just in the music space, but everywhere. But we're yeah. also seeing a lot more stories of NFTs that aren't delivering NFTs that have lost their value. NFT, you know, the, 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 the numbers that are being sold are dropping drastically. What, well, what's your take? Yeah. And before you yeah. answer, let me, let me just, yeah. Bruce, sorry to cut you off. Let me give you just a little context before you move forward. Um, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal um, that I'm going to be sharing tomorrow. And I just want to read you just a sentence. The, the headline is NFT sales are flatlining. And it says the sale of NFTs fell to a daily average of 19,000 this week, a 92% decline from a peak of 225,000 in September. And so what I'm seeing is, because I'm dealing with some of this right now, is that the business is going from digital collectible to really more about utility, things that are tied in with other things. I'm not one of those people that thinks this is going away. I just think it's going to be a part of our release cadence and products. It's just not going to be this bubble, this wild, wild west. And I'd, I'd love to just piggyback on Mike's question and, and ask you what you think of that. Yeah, I mean, first of all, um, it's interesting. There's already been pushback in the NFT crypto community about that Wall Street Journal piece and the data that they used and that sure. it's inaccurate, et cetera. So barring all of that, let's just say we all see that they aren't making the millions of dollars that they were and et cetera, et cetera. I, you're gonna, it's going to sound like you slipped me a 20 to say this, but on last week's podcast with Tony, uh, and you I think you guys nailed it. And that is that, you know, stop thinking about making millions of dollars and start thinking about using NFTs as a way to connect with your fans and stay connected with your fans and your fans. And you know, that's what I see more and more of and more the platforms that are thinking about it that way. You know, the artist isn't going to get rich right away. The platform isn't going to get rich right away, but they're building a lasting relationship. So if that NFT, if, if, if you're well, like I see increasingly, uh, artists giving away NFTs early in their career. Uh, well, one one application I love is Poap. So if you a, a proof of attendance protocol, I believe it is. So anyway, it connects an NFT to were you really here at the show? 
Okay. So if you were went to that first so show and you're one of 50 people or the first 50 people to see him when the band came to New York, that's an awesome thing. And I wish I had one, the Poe app, when I saw uh, Fish play their first Boston show, right? I was yeah. there. I remember it distinctly. I don't have proof of that, but I know it. And if, but if I had that, not only would that be worth something, but it, you know, it would be worth a lot to me. Yeah, you have bragging rights, right? Like I did a I did a release party for Nirvana when when the uh, the big album came out, and we were in San Francisco. Was it San Francisco? It was uh, was Miss Pearl's Jam House? Anyway, I think it's in Oakland. Anyway, it was many years ago, but I I had I think a hundred people there, but I probably met three hundred that said they were there. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and, you know, look, there's all kinds of, and, and if fish could reach out to me and go, we know you're at this show when you were in Boston, you get to buy the pre-sale in Boston now first or, or anything like that it would mean the world. So that's, that's an cool. extreme example, maybe, but there's a million ways that you can use pop or I'm sorry, use NFTs to do that. And, and if you stop thinking about, about the money and maybe you do want to charge five bucks, 20 bucks or whatever for it. So that that self limits the people that are, are, are doing it just in like in some of your other examples, you want to know that the fan is a real fan, not just pre-saving right. to win a guitar. Yeah. So maybe you want to have some barrier of entry, but a low barrier of entry. And then you get this NFT that, you know, allows the band to communicate with you, to give you things, uh, to sell you things, et cetera. That's where it's going. Now, yeah. I mean, yes, it will go all kinds of other places I can't imagine, but as far as the world that you and I, you know, all inhabit and thinking about artists and trying to help them build a fan base, uh, I think that's where it's going. And I think it's already going there. It's just it, doesn't, it, that it, doesn't it, get headlines. It is. It's, a, it's evolving towards that. And, yeah. and you know, as you just, what you described, I'm like, yeah, that's the perfect value. That's what a fan wants. Now, right. the challenge I would put out there to the company selling that is sell it without ever using the word NFT. Yeah. Yeah. Can you do that? You right. should be able to sell that product without ever saying NFT. Right. Right. You know, that that's what it comes down to at the end of the day for a fan. I'm not buying it because it's an NFT. And I think that's why we're seeing the drop off in sales, because it was it was just a it was a gold rush of a hot new technology. And people were buying it because whatever it was, it didn't matter. Right. Now people want to buy it because, well, I want to buy something that allows me to connect to my favorite artist. I don't give right. a crap what you do behind the scenes to make it so I can connect with right. fish. I just want to connect with fish. Right. And, 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 and if it's a value that I, I accept, I will pay whatever you want to sell it for. Sure. Yeah. That's brilliant. Actually. I never thought of it that way. You know, uh, I can remember when people started using the term DSP, I kept having to look it up. I forgot, you know, <laughs> right, and, I, right. and I, I just, you know, the average person doesn't know what a DSP is. They know there's something called Spotify and Apple Music, and for ten bucks a month, they can listen to seventy million songs. That's all they know. That's all they care. Yeah. And and that you know, that's a very valid point. And I and and of course, along all of with all of that is you know making it much easier to purchase, much easier to own. You know, the idea that you, I mean, I won't. I I own maybe twenty. Um, NFTs that I bought for experiments for things I like, et cetera. I've never spent a ton of money, but I tell you, you know, two out of three times I end up giving up because it doesn't want to connect to the wallet that I use. And it wants me to transfer the bank information. It's like, no. So uh, it's, it, it, it's, it, ha it yeah. has to be as easy as going to 
Amazon to buy a product or going into yeah. Apple iTunes to download a single. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's, it will it literally that's and, and you're yeah. right. It will be. There are already people who are going there to make it just work off of your credit card. And 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 yes, it's evolving. And I think, as Jay said, we're not saying we don't believe in it. I think this is great. I'm just tired of people saying you've got to buy this because it's an NFT. Well, that's not a reason to buy anything. I'm not buying an iPhone because of the silicon that's inside of it. I'm buying it because of what it does for me. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, I get 20 or 30 pitches a day, NFT related, Web3 related for Hypa. If the subject line says the artist made X, and sometimes now they're even like, basically a country artist who you've never heard of made $200,000, delete. You know, I because maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I don't care. It's not about the money. It's about the utility. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and and, and as Tony talked about last week, maybe they did make $200,000, but they happen to have some very rich early adopter fan who jumped on board, but or, 99% yeah. of their other fans. Right. Or it's not a fan at it. all. You know, we're seeing right. a lot of these that are sold are by crypto bros and people who have you know, that aren't necessarily a fan that's really more for investment and collecting. So right. I think to get it into the hands of like a fan like me in order for me to buy one, what you just said, Bruce, is key. You know, I don't want to have to buy some crypto, attach it to a wallet, attach the wallet to a marketplace, gas fees. I don't want to, who's going to do that, right? I think that for the masses, it needs to be like Mike said, as simple as just you know, streaming or, or downloading something. And there's got to be some kind of value to me as a music fan to have that, you know. Yeah. And, that, you know, to be clear, there are some marketplaces that are doing that, like uh, the one of marketplace, you one throw of, your credit card in and it, yep. it feels just like you're buying something else. It's not perfect. It's not as creative as I think it should be. Some of the NFTs that they're pushing out, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, from a basic point of view, it, it people are already doing it. So we're we're not like, a year away, we're weeks yeah. away yeah. from being able to do it in the way that we're, we're talking about being able to. Do and, it. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I think what we're still haven't seen yet is sort of the quote, killer app for the NFT technology, right. Right. you know, and, and, and that's natural. I mean, even when the internet first happened, nobody knew what the killer app was going to be. Right. So somebody, one of these developers is going to come up with a brilliant idea, figure out how to do it. And we're all going to go, Wow, that was stupid, simple. Why didn't we think of that right. while they're leading the pack? Right. So absolutely. That, Same that, as it ever that's was. what that's what <laughs> developing a new technology is all about. Yeah. Is finding yeah. out what sticks. Because there's a lot of stuff being thrown against the wall right now. Yeah. And we're finding out what sticks and what do people turn their heads and go, wow, that was that's actually pretty cool. I want that. Right. Yeah. Um, before we say we sign off, I just re this will take less than a minute. I, um, as you know, one of the other things I do is I teach touring for Berkeley and I own this booking agency, Skyline Artists, that you know, does a couple thousand dates a year, et cetera. And through that piece of it, I just want to, you know, we've come out of the, uh, out of the uh, pandemic, hopefully, fingers crossed. And there's so much written and rightfully so about how artists have suffered, et cetera. But I also want to shout out to the venues and the agents and the promoters and all of the people and the managers who also took the hit and are, are now kind of crawling their way back and, and just 
just say thank you to everybody for for surviving that. And one of the things that you know from a from a from my point of view is that a lot of these these people that I talk to use the pandemic to focus on new ways of doing things and using the technologies that we've all been talking about for the last couple of years. Yeah. And I think you're going to see a, a change in in the way that business runs as well. So it's Pardon me for for co-opting. No, your no, no, that's it, great. It, 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 this out if you want, but uh, but I just it's really I just think it's something that's not said enough. So I, I you know I know you guys would appreciate it. So yeah, yeah, I mean I think I think the word needs to be said. There's a lot of artists, agents, managers that put a lot of work into making tours come back and start happening. It's not easy, even right now, even though that we are quote unquote out of it. Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, you know, you probably saw Bruce, but, you know, earlier this year, Wasp had to totally move their entire European tour from this spring to next spring because of COVID flare ups and issues in Europe. Everything's fine in the U.S., but it wasn't fine in Europe. Yeah, and we it's have a lot of getting, work. It's stressful. Right, we have artists getting sick and crews getting in, in yeah, sick, and, and it. it just goes on and on. And maybe yeah. there are too many shows. I'm starting to feel that that might be the case. Too much competition, but who knows? Anyway, the bottom line for me just was to say, you know, this has been hard on everybody, and that's somebody I don't think we get to talk about enough. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I appreciate yeah. that, Bruce. Bruce, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, my Always friend. Always a pleasure. Thank I mean, you. everybody, go me. go check out hypebot.com, of course, fansintown.com. Um, you know, it, it you you need to be on those two sites. Check out thank the artist gentlemen. community. Yes. There we go. Artist yes. community on Bands in Town as well. That's a great resource. And 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 don't you guys happen to have like a forum or a section in yep. that artist community for this podcast? What a segue. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's good. Checks in the mail. Another twenty. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Checks in the mail. Right. Bruce, thank you so much. Thanks so much. Take All care. Right. Bye bye. Visit discmakers.com to place an order for one hundred or more CDs. And when you check out, use promo code FreeBiz and get free shipping up to a one hundred fifty dollar value. Always, always fascinating, fun talking with Bruce. I mean, you know, yeah, we need to have him on more often. Yeah, Hypebot's the center of what's happening in the music space. You got to be reading all those articles, bands in town. Listen, yeah. there's just if you're if you're it's not even if you're a touring band, if you're a band, you need to be using bands in town just to band, gather your fans marketer label now. distribution. It is such a great tool to reach yep. your trackers, your fans, and also to reach you know, fans of other bands that might like you if they were exposed if, to you. If you got some marketing money, yeah, you can send out a message to fans that should like you to buy your album, come to your show. Um, so, yeah, it's always great talking to Bruce. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we did the quick shout out. But yeah, once again, thanks to Bruce and Hypebot and Bands in Town and the artist community. Head over to head over to Wait a second. It's always One a mouthful. Time. Reverse that. Back up. <laughs> Bandsintown.musicbizweeklypodcast.com. And you'll there find our artist community. Leave your comments. You'll find all of our episodes over there. We're always there. We're checking out what's happening. If you've got questions about an episode, leave them there. If you got questions unrelated to an episode that you just want to ask us, leave them there. Comments. Su- comments. Suggestions for future topics leave them there it's a great resource for interfacing with other people in the music industry um and and of course thank you to our sponsor discmakers.com obviously we appreciate everything you do for us every month that's it 
We're out of here. We'll see everybody next week. Voices for Music Biz Weekly, provided by LarryDavisVoice.com and by JessicaMarsVoice.com. That's Mars with a Z.